On February 14, 2000, Aisha Degree disappeared from her home in Shelby, North Carolina. At first, it seemed as though she may have been abducted until further evidence showed that Aisha packed a bag and left on her own. Over 20 years later, Aisha has not been found, and investigators are still clueless as to why she may have left. Welcome to the Fact and Suspicion Podcast. Tonight, we will be discussing the disappearance of Aisha Degree. But before we get started, we would like to address the fact that we have not put out an episode in a little while. Yeah, it's been two weeks. It's about, yeah, it's been two weeks now. And that is because I have been sick. If you can tell, I'm a bit hoarse and my allergies have just really messed with my voice. Yeah, we just didn't want anyone to think that this was going to be our normal schedule. We, We plan to release episodes much quicker than this going forward. But this just, it couldn't be helped. No, it couldn't. And we're hoping to get a couple out in quick succession now to make up for that. So So moving forward with tonight's case, I'd like to start talking a bit about Aisha herself. She was nine years old from Shelby, North Carolina. She lived with both of her parents, Harold and Iquilla Degree, and her brother, O'Brien, who was one year older than her. Most of Aisha's life revolved around her family, her church, and her friends at school. And she also played basketball, and she enjoyed that very much. Um, By all accounts from her family, her teachers, her friends at school, she was a shy girl. And, you know, her mom said she was afraid of dogs and just very cautious by nature. She seemed to have a very stable family life and very loving parents. And her parents and, and several members of her family pointed out to investigators that she didn't seem like the type of child that would run away. So as far as we know, there was nothing going on in her home life that might have led to her trying to run away? No, no, not really. We don't have any sort of indication that there was any problem at home for Asia. The only thing that her, her teachers and her friends and her family pointed out to investigators is that just a, a couple days before, She'd had a basketball game and her team had lost and she had actually fouled out in the last few minutes of that game. And she was very upset about the fact that she felt like she'd let her team down. But that doesn't seem like a very good reason to run away from home to me. Yeah, I I can't see that either. I mean, had she ever tried to run away before? No, not at all. So this would have been just completely uncharacteristic. Completely uncharacteristic, yes. I mean, I'm sure losing a game that she loved, you know, hurt, but I can't imagine it. I mean, why run away because of that, you know? I agree with you. I, I, I don't think she did. Let's get on into the timeline of events and explore exactly what happened. So, on the night of February 13th, the power actually went out because of a crash in the neighborhood. There was a, a really big storm that night. It was raining very badly. And apparently there had either been a car crash or a motorcycle accident that had somehow knocked out the power. Because of that, the degree's nighttime schedule was thrown off just a bit, and the kids weren't able to bathe that night. And they did go on to bed, and about 11.30, Aisha's dad, Harold, apparently left to run to the store. He wanted to get some Valentine's candy, because the next day was Valentine's Day, And it was also his anniversary with his wife. Now, when Harold got back home, he fell asleep on the couch. Around 12.30 a.m., 
Harold's wife, Iquila, wakes him up. The power has come back on, and she wants him to turn off their kerosene here and put that up. So Harold does that, and then he checks in on the kids. He sees they're both asleep in their beds. They share a room together, by the way. Okay. So Harold, he's awake at this time, so he goes and sits down on the couch, and he watches TV for a couple hours. And Aisha's still there at the time, just to be, just to be clear. Still there. She's still in her bed. Okay. So then about 2.30 a.m., Harold decides he's pretty tired. He's going to go back to sleep. But he, he goes by the kids' room again, looks in on them. They're both asleep in their beds. And Harold goes on to sleep. And what time did you say that was, the, the second one? It was, was 2.30 a.m. Okay. Now, sometime after 2.30 a.m., O'Brien wakes up as he hears Aisha get up out of her bed and walk down the hall to the bathroom. Then he hears her come back in. And her bed seems to be squeaking a bit. He thinks she's just maybe tossing in her sleep at that point. And he goes on back to sleep. The next morning at 5.45 a.m., Aquila wakes up. She's wanting to get the kids into a bath early before school because they weren't able to bathe the night before. When she goes into their room, O'Brien is in his bed asleep, but she can't find Aisha. She's not in her bed. She looks in the floor, looks all around the house, and cannot find her. She wakes up Harold. Um, she calls Aisha's grandmother, Aisha's aunt, and all their family members. No one has seen Aisha. So at that point, they go ahead and call the police. From what I understand, they call the police right around 6.30 a.m., and the police are on the scene by 6.40, and they begin a search around the neighborhood. So do we know approximately how long it was from the time that they discovered Aisha was missing until when the police were called? Because I know you said that they uh, they tried contacting like family members first. Right, it was about 45 minutes. Iquila said she woke up at 6.45 a.m. Uh, and then she drew a bath uh, for the kids before she went into their bedroom. Okay. So, you know, about 6.50, 6.55, I guess she would have, would have found out that Asia was gone. And then she called the police around 6.30. Okay, so one more thing I'd like to address right here real quick. Now, you mentioned that as far as we know, there were no problems uh, with Aisha's family life. So do we know why the father was sleeping on the couch? I don't know. And I haven't seen that addressed in any of the articles I've read, but I do know that their anniversary was the next day. And the parents said they planned to spend the whole day together. So maybe he was just sleeping on the couch um, because the power was out that night, or, you know, maybe he wanted to be close to space heater. I'm really not sure what was going on. He may have actually gone on to bed, uh, you know, later after at 2.30. He may have gone on to bed. He may have just been sleeping on the couch while the power was out. I, I really don't know. I, mean, I guess that's not necessarily an indication that he was in the doghouse. And the uh, fact no, that they no. were going to spend Valentine's Day together it seems to suggest that's probably not the case. So I just thought it was worth asking. Uh, yeah, no, and I agree. It's something that raised some questions in my mind. But I, I sort of got the opinion that he was probably sleeping on the couch because of something to do with the power being out. That seems reasonable. As I said, they started a search. They started in the neighborhood and then widened it. The police brought in um, search dogs, but they could not get a trail for Asha, or, excuse me, for Asia going anywhere. And that was likely because of the storm the night before. It rained a lot, and it probably just washed away any scent the dogs could catch. So she went outside in the middle of a storm? She did. It was um, it was a very bad storm, from what I understand. So it is strange that she would leave in the middle of it. 
what would prompt a child, I mean, to run away in the first place, but to do so in the middle of a storm? That just seems extraordinarily abnormal. It's, it is, it's very strange. And we'll get into a bit of the reasoning here in just a moment. All right. Uh, but I would like to discuss just a little bit of evidence that was found first. Okay. Yep. Now, as I said, they started a search, and this was on the news that this girl had gone missing. So when people started hear uh, hear about Asia being missing, two motorists reported to police that they had seen uh, someone walking along Highway 18 the night before that matched Asia's description. One motorist says that. He saw her around 3.30 a.m., and the other says he saw her about 4.15. And one of these motorists actually made a U-turn and circled back around uh, to see if he could help her out. And when he pulled up next to her, rolled down his window, he seemed to scare her really badly, and she ran uh, off the road down into the woods, and he couldn't find her after that. Okay. I don't think he tried to chase her, but he didn't see her. Right. Okay. So, quick question. So, only one of the random adults who passed by decided to try to help the small child wandering around in the middle of the night in a storm? That's true, but to be fair, it was nighttime, it was raining very badly. They may not have realized this was a child. This could have just been a a short person or something like that, if that makes sense. Yeah, I guess visibility would have been bad. It was a storm after all and not. So, yeah, I I guess that makes sense. I think they didn't really put together till the next day that this could have been a small child when they heard it on the news. Yeah, okay, that that, may, that makes more sense. Now, as these searches are going on, the police are also investigating the house, and they're able to determine that there was no forced entry or exit from the house. So it seems very unlikely that someone abducted Aisha. Also, as Aisha's mother is looking around her room, she notices that several of Aisha's belongings are missing including her backpack. Also, some of Aisha's clothes are missing, her purse, and her house keys. And this really seems to suggest that Aisha packed her own bag and left of her own accord. Right, I mean, without forced entry, I mean, I guess that, that seems to preclude abduction. But again, it just why would a small child just decide to leave? I mean, that, that just that seems almost impossible. I completely agree. I mean, is there any suggestion that that she was, I don't know, that, that maybe some predator had lured her out? I think that's a strong possibility myself, though there are a lot of people that seem to disagree with that. They disagree on the grounds that, well, you know, as I said earlier, Aisha's life was pretty insulated. She wasn't around a lot of people outside of her family and her church and the people she knew at school. Now, a lot of people felt like that sort of meant that she didn't have the opportunity to meet anyone that could have been grooming her. But that's a pretty big as assumption. You and I know, there. Yeah, as you and I know from the cases we've covered, just because someone is a family member or a church member or even a teacher at school, it doesn't mean they're not a predator. No, of course not. And it could mean that the child would, would be more inclined to trust them. Exactly. Now, I'm not going to say that someone was necessarily grooming Asia and lured her out like that, but I think it's a strong possibility. Um, There is another theory that something happened with her family that night that upset her. I don't know that that's the case, but I suppose it's a possibility. Maybe her 
family yelled at her or maybe someone hit her or something like that and it upset her and she decided she needed to leave. But it just seems strange to me either way that she'd leave in the middle of a storm. Yeah, I mean, and surely the police looked at the family pretty closely. You know, they did. And I'm not saying that something couldn't have happened at home that upset her and made her want to leave. But I don't think the family, you know, killed Aisha or anything like that because she was seen uh, walking down the road. Right, alone. Yeah, two, at least two eyewitnesses saw her. So, yeah. Right. And then we have some evidence later uh, that suggests that she was out there on her own. And, and we'll get into that in just a moment. Okay. But as I said, I just don't think that the family was involved in this or at least not. Her immediate family at home. Okay. Right. The search teams weren't able to turn up any trace of Asia on the 14th. However, on the next day, they approached a couple that lived along Highway 18, where Asia was seen walking, and they asked them to search a shed back behind their house. And they did find some items that are believed to belong to Asia. They found some candy wrappers that matched the same type of candy that Asia had received in a goodie bag at her basketball game a couple days before. And they also found a pencil, a green marker, and a Mickey Mouse hair bow that were identified as belonging to Asia. So do investigators think that she was like taking shelter from the storm or something? Is, is that why she was there? Uh, that makes a lot of sense. That's what they expect because it was, it was pouring rain and she probably would have wanted to get out of that. And how far away was this from Aisha's home? Like, how far would she have had to have walked to make it there? Yeah, about a 20-minute walk, so not so far. Okay. Uh, now, they did find one other thing in the shed that was really strange. They found a wallet-sized photo of a young black girl that they initially thought was Aisha, but it wasn't Aisha. And none of Aisha's friends or family could identify the girl in the photo. So, do they think the picture was connected in any way? Um, they think it, it's definitely possible that Aisha had that picture. But, as I said, I don't know if I mentioned, this couple ran a furniture upholstery business, and they kept furniture in that shed. So, I think that maybe the photo could have made it into the shed in someone's couch or recliner or something like that and just fallen out. Seems like an odd coincidence, but I mean, yeah, it certainly could be a coincidence. Uh, right, I just, I don't want to read too much into the photo, because it doesn't add up to me. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, has anyone come forward and identified the girl in the photo? Uh, not as far as I know. Uh, I know that none of her family and none of her friends at school knew who it was. So I guess the police are just operating under the assumption that it's just, that it was just there by happenstance then? I don't know for sure about that, but I, as I said, I'm not going to read too much into the photo. But I did want to mention it because it's a bit strange. Yeah, it is. Now, you said it was a wallet-sized photo. Was it with her things, the, the, the stuff they found of Asha's? I really don't know. I don't know if everything they found was sort of just in one small area or if it was scattered around the shed. Okay. And no other major evidence was turned up in this case until August of 2001. And that's when Asha's backpack was found. Along Highway 18 about 26 miles north of Aisha's town, Aisha's backpack was found buried inside of two plastic garbage bags. Mm. That's, that's kind of ominous, man. Uh, yes, it is really scary to me that that was found, especially wrapped in two garbage bags 
that seems like someone was trying to preserve it. I mean, if you wanted to destroy it, it seems like you would just burn it. I mean, what do you think that they were? They wanted someone to find it. You know, that's a possibility. Um, now, it was found by some people working on a construction project. I think they were building a driveway, and I don't know if perhaps it was put there because they knew someone was going to put a driveway there, or maybe someone was just trying to hide it away to save it for later. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's a possibility. I mean, I assume that they properly vetted the uh, whoever owned the property it was found on. I would assume they did, but to be honest, if someone owned that property and knew they were going to build a driveway there, I don't think they would hide the backpack right there. Right, yeah. Unless, of course, they did want it to be found and they were trying to taunt police, but I can't figure out exactly why it was buried there and preserved in such a way. I know that some serial killers do like to hide trophies and sort of preserve them. And maybe this is someone that was trying to keep evidence out of their home. But don't they usually keep that sort of thing close to them? I mean, it just seems it would seem strange to bury your trophy in the middle of the, you know, in the middle of nowhere like that. I agree. It's, it's really strange. And I don't know exactly why they would. But that piece of evidence really scares me. And it makes me feel like Asia was is probably dead. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly what that seems. In fact, the vibe I get from that is that it was just kind of a really incompetent disposal. Do you know if any DNA was discovered on on the backpack or, or garbage bags? Um, police have not released that information at all. I do know that um, a lot of Asia's belongings were found in the backpack. Uh, they found some of her clothes that her mother knew was missing. They found her purse. Her wallet, her house keys were in the backpack. And there are two other items that I think were probably in the backpack. And I'll get to those here in just a moment as we go through just a couple other things uh, that happened with this case. Uh-huh. After 2001, there were no real major updates to this case until 2016. And that's when the FBI announced that they were looking for a green Early 1970s Lincoln Mark IV or Thunderbird. That's, um, that's pretty specific. Have they explained why they, they're looking for that? Apparently, a tip indicated that Asia may have been seen getting into that type of vehicle that night. May have been seen? So did, did well, the person the, want the, to remain anonymous or something? I think p- perhaps the person that saw it wasn't positive that was Asia they saw. Okay, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Right, but they were looking for that vehicle um, in connection to the case, and I haven't heard anything that they found that at all. Do we know when the tip came in? Was it close to when she vanished, or was it much later? All we know is that the FBI announced that in 2016. I don't know when the tip came in. Okay. And then in 2018, the Cleveland County Police put out a video, and they were asking about information on two pieces of evidence, and that was a Dr. Seuss library book and a New Kids on the Block concert t-shirt. A, a what now? Did you say New Kids on the Block? I did say New Kids on the Wasn't Block. Wasn't this 2000? Uh, yes, it was 2000 when she went missing. She was nine years old. I don't know why she would have been interested in New Kids on the Block. Was anyone interested in New Kids on the Block in, in 2000? I mean, hadn't the, the next generation of boy bands kind of taken over by then? Like, was it Backstreet Boys and NSYNC and such? 
Um, yeah, I think I know the Backstreet Boys were around. I'm not sure if NSYNC was around yet at that point, but definitely no longer the time of New Kids on the Block. However, they showed a picture of it and it looked like, you know, an old shirt from the 80s. Now, the implication was that these two items were found in the backpack, but I don't know that for sure. And because they're inquiring about these two items, it really makes me wonder if perhaps there was DNA found on those two items. Now, interestingly enough about the library book, the police did not exactly say if they knew if Asia had or had not checked out the library book, but the statement that was made in the video was, if you or someone you know had this Dr. Seuss library book around the time of Asia's disappearance and lost track of it, call us. He also said that the library records did not go back to the year 2000. Okay, so I don't really understand. What's the implication here? I don't know. I almost feel like with the library book, police are grasping at straws with that one. If they say that the library records don't go back that far, it seems that they would not be able to know if Aisha had in fact checked that book out herself or not. So is the idea that the book could belong to whoever took her or whoever, whoever maybe she was sneaking out to see? Maybe, but it was a library book from her school. So I don't think an adult predator would necessarily have access to that unless it was someone from the school or maybe the parent of one of her friends. So one more question. Did Aisha's parents, did they know whether or not she had a, uh, a New Kids on the Block shirt? Now, they didn't say this in the video, but I did read in a news article that those items were not believed to have been in Aisha's home before her disappearance. However, I've never seen where police expressly stated that. So, no, it seems that they did not know about the new kids on the block shirt. I mean, it'd be and nice makes to know sense. because, I mean, it at least tell us whether, whether she obtained the shirt after she left the home that night. Uh, well, that's true, but I would say there are a lot of ways that a nine-year-old girl could get a hold of something like that. I mean, let's say that one of her friends had the shirt. Maybe it belonged to one of her friend's moms or something from ages ago. And her friend maybe traded it to her for, I don't know, uh, another shirt or a book or something like or that. Or maybe she just I wore mean, it home from a sleepover that, one night or something. Yeah, I would think there are any number of ways Aisha could have gotten a hold of that. And her parents wouldn't have necessarily known that she had it. And it doesn't necessarily have to be anything sinister. Though, I, I don't think there's any reason to suspect that she would have liked New Kids on the Block either, though. No. Her age in the year 2000, they were a long forgotten memory by then. But you do make a good point that that would have been the right age that maybe one of her uh, friend's parents would have been a New Kids on the Block fan. Right. And, you know, that could be a reason that they're interested in the shirt because maybe she didn't get it from a friend, but a friend's parent, right? Or an adult. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Now, according to police, they looked at a lot of suspects. Well, not necessarily suspects. They looked at a lot of people and cleared a lot of people early on. They did a lot of interviews. Initially, they did look into the family, but as we said earlier, it was pretty easy to clear them because the eyewitnesses. Asia, yeah, eyewitnesses you seen have seen Asia walking down the road. They found some of Asia's belongings in that shed. 
which proved that she had been out on her own? I guess they questioned a lot of men from the community, maybe from her church or school. Um, they didn't say that explicitly, but according to several newspaper articles around the time, they said they interviewed a lot of people to clear them. And I would assume they checked all of the sex offenders uh, and basically, you know, any adult male in her life, I would think. So did they did they look at phone records or maybe her internet history? Um, interestingly enough, they didn't have a computer in the home. And Aisha's oh. mother, Aquila, stated in an interview with Jet Magazine, they expressly did not want a computer because she had heard so many horror stories of people online luring children out of the home. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a reasonable concern. It's, uh, well, what about right. phone records? Is there any chance that she was talking to someone on the phone that evening? I'm sure they looked into phone records, but I haven't heard anything about that. Now, another thing I would like to mention is that Aisha and O'Brien were sort of latchkey kids. Their parents worked in the evenings, so they rode the school bus home, and they let themselves in, did their own homework, uh, and they were allowed to play out in the yard afterward. And I feel like that would actually afford a lot of time for maybe someone walking down the street to speak to Aisha without anyone else knowing about it. Maybe ingratiate like themselves to her. Right. I think that's definitely a possibility. Did the, um, did the brother ever mention uh, anyone that, that maybe paid her a bit too much attention or, or anything of the like? Or, or was he even old enough to have recognized that? Uh, well, he was a year older than Aisha. He was 10. So I think he would have recognized anyone you know, strange coming around. But if it was someone that was family or someone from church, he may have never suspected it and never thought to mention it. Right, yeah. Or if it was like just it was, a more subtle interaction, because I mean, a 10 or 11-year-old is not going to pick up on like someone behaving very nicely. An adult might see that that's just too nice and it's bizarre for when you're interacting with a child. And that's something that a 10-year-old might not pick up on. Exactly. So we, we haven't heard anything like that, but we don't know everything that police know in this case because it is still an open investigation. Yeah, I mean, I guess that makes sense. Um, and, and other than that, there was one other suspect quite a bit later. In the year 2020, a 53-year-old inmate named Marcus Mellon claimed that he knew that Asia had been killed and he said he could lead police to her body. I'm, I'm guessing he never did that. Uh, no, he, he never was able to lead police to her body. However, it was interesting that he was from Cleveland County, where Aisha lived. And in 2014, he had been convicted of sex crimes against children there. So was he confessing? Is, is that the idea? Or was he just implying that he knew who killed her? Um, no, he did not expressly um, say that he was confessing. He just said that he knew that she had been killed and he knew where her body was. There's always a jailhouse confession in these cases. Yeah, and so many times it's, well, for one, you know, you can't believe secondhand things that one inmate tells another. Right. And also, you always have some inmate that wants to get some leniency for information. Yeah, or in, and a lot of times they're just blowhards. They just love to hear themselves talk. And don't mind the harm they cause to the families by saying things like this. And how many serial killers have we seen 
that have confessed to crimes that they had nothing to do with. Oh, yeah. I mean, what what was the guy, um, Henry Lee Lucas? I think he confessed to like a hundred that he, that he never did. Right. And, you know, they just want attention. Yeah. I mean, he was just a blowhard that, that loved uh, that loved to talk big and loved the attention that he got from the investigators that were happy to, to pass off any case they could get as closed. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I just don't feel like we can put any kind of stock in a jailhouse informant. Not, not without hard evidence to back it up. And I'm guessing he never backed up any of that talk. Uh, no, no. As I said, um, the sheriff said he was never able to lead her to, to uh, excuse me, he was never able to lead them to uh, Aisha's body. I hate these people. They just, they don't know what kind of pain they cause the family yeah, when they say Zero that. concern for it. Uh, now that we've gone over all the possibilities and theories, I will say that what I feel like the the most likely scenario is, is that someone was probably grooming Aisha and lured her out of the house. And, and the, the piece of evidence that points toward that the most for me is the fact that Aisha was such a timid and cautious girl, but she left her home that night in the middle of a very bad storm. And I don't think she would have done that unless she felt like she had to leave that night. There was something special happening that night she had to to leave for. Right. Now, have the police ever mentioned what they think the most likely scenario that, that got her to leave the house is? Because to me, that seems to be the, the biggest mystery here. Why she left the house in the first place. Uh, I, I agree. But no, there's no official theory about why she left. And it's so frustrating to me because I feel like if you had that information, it could possibly, you know, blow the whole case wide open. It would unlock everything about it. I mean, if we even knew where she was trying to go, like even if we didn't know who she was trying to meet, you know, even a location might help. Was there anything in that direction, like any place or any people that she could have been heading towards potentially? Nothing that the family has stated publicly, no. I don't know of any specific place she could have been heading. That's what's so frustrating about this. Children don't just decide what is, particularly those with no history of, of trying to run away and with no, no history of like family troubles. Children don't just leave in the middle of the night during storms. No, and it's, it seems more like one of those things that, I mean, if you didn't know that she'd packed a bag and you didn't know that there was no sign of forced entry, you would assume she had to have been abducted in this case. Right. Yeah, of course. So do investigators think that she just tried to run away and then it was just a crime of opportunity from there that some predator just happened upon her? I'm not going to say that's an official theory. A lot of people do think that she left for one reason and that an unrelated person came upon her, saw it as a crime of opportunity. But I feel like that is too much of a coincidence i tend to agree i mean it would be nice to know if there was any if there was anything going in the, going on in the home that would have made her want to leave i mean if that was the case then then i think yeah the the crime of opportunity would make more sense but given that we have no evidence of that it does seem a bit of a stretch right i agree and i do feel like if there had been something going on in the home if the parents were fighting um, something that was stressing her out, I think they would have told investigators that, you know, I, I think we would know about it because 
this family has spent so much time and effort looking for Aisha, I think they would give out any information they need to to try to find her. And also, you know, as I said, talking to her, her friends at school, they have no idea why she would have wanted to leave like that. The only pieces of information that they found that pointed to that were, one, she, she had lost the basketball game and fouled out a few days before, and she was very upset about that. And there was also the fact that her class in school had just read The Whipping Boy recently, and that's a book about two children that run away and they, they have some adventures. But I don't think a, a cautious child like Aisha would run away in the middle of a storm. To None of that's adventures. particularly convincing. I mean, an no, adventure no, in the middle of the night in a storm or because she lost a basketball game or fouled out? Uh, no. Also, uh, one other interesting piece of information just involving the basketball game is that from what I understand, some of the clothing in her backpack among that was her basketball uniform. Really? Right. So now that's, you know, that's interesting. It's very interesting. And I don't think she would have taken that with her if she was running away because she was upset about the game. And obviously, you know, maybe she thought she was going to be going to her next game um, before she came back home. I, I don't know. It's really strange. Yeah. I, I don't know what to make of that. Uh, on the one hand, I guess it, it could suggest that she had basketball on the mind at the, on her mind at the time. But, Again, I just I I'm having a hard time connecting her leaving in the middle of the night during a storm to a basketball game. I agree. It seems to me there had to be something nefarious in her reason for leaving that night. And I don't mean on her part. I of mean, course, yeah. Someone had to have lured her out or told her to meet them somewhere. I don't know, but I feel like something like that had to have happened. And it almost certainly would have had to have been someone close to her. I mean, without the internet, it seems like it had to be someone local if that were the case. Mm -hmm. It it really does. does. No one else had access to her. I would like to point out, though, that because they were home alone in the evenings, I do feel like that opens up the possibilities about who may have been or may have had some access. It doesn't necessarily have to have been someone, you know, in her close social circle. Though I do feel like that's probably more likely. Yeah, I mean, but it still would have at least had to have been someone close in terms of distance. Oh, oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, exactly. And that's basically the case. It's tragic, and not only because this family lost their child, but even more so because they don't know what happened to her, and they can have no closure. This case is both interesting and perplexing because of the lack of evidence. And in recent years, every piece of information released by authorities has created more confusion than clarity. We can only speculate as to why Aisha left that night and what happened to her afterwards. Everyone has a theory, but this is a case that sadly may never be solved. We'd like to thank you for listening to the Fact and Suspicion podcast. We really hope you're enjoying it. If you have any comments for us, or if you'd like to suggest a case you'd like to hear us cover, please contact us either through our email, factandsuspicion at gmail.com, or you can get us on Twitter at andsuspicion. 